When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 36 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. My name is Jack Tate, back with what will unfortunately be a slightly shorter episode than usual. I'm going on holiday tomorrow and in classic fashion I'm totally unprepared. So, doing everything at the last minute, including recording this podcast, but I couldn't leave without uploading this and making sure that I have something to say to you guys in between the two legs of the Barcelona game. I'm recording this just about an hour or so after the end of our 2-1 win over West Ham in the Premier League, but before I delve a little bit into that pretty shambolic performance for the most part, let's go back to Wednesday night and talk about the 1-0 defeat to Barcelona in the first leg of the Champions League quarter-final. Now, if I had to sum up my thoughts on the Barcelona game in a nutshell, it would be the first 20 minutes were pretty much disastrous. Solskjaer, for me, takes the the bulk of the blame for that, which I'll get onto more in just a second. The remaining 70 minutes, I actually thought we we played quite well. We contained Barcelona for the most part. Apart from the Coutinho um, chance that Forster could say about David De Gea, they didn't really create much at all. Towards the end of the end of the game, some space opened up that Sergio Roberto, especially, was was kind of making the most of as we started chasing the game a little bit more. But for the most part, we did well for the last seventy minutes of the game. We controlled some portions of the game, especially straight after half time, where we came out and we we'd adjusted to what Barcelona were, were trying to do. We weren't ever dominant in the game, you would say, but I don't think any of us were truly expecting that against Barcelona anyway. And for the most part, from sort of minute 20, 25 onwards, it was a pretty even game. And I think if, we, if we'd have played like that for the whole 90 minutes, we would all have been very, very happy with, with what we saw. Obviously, that wasn't what we saw for the whole 90 minutes. And the first 20 pretty much killed us and may end up killing us in the tie. Who knows what will happen next week? But to, to, to kind of start off, just the system and the tactics from, from Solskjaer were... Just nonsensical for me, for the most part. I mean, okay, I understand playing five at the back against Barcelona. Obviously, you want to try and contain them, 
I get it. You're playing more defensively. You know, that's fine. I completely expected us to play defensively, a relatively cautious game to try and just control Barca, keep everything in front of us and stop them from getting in behind. However, the idea of moving Darlow to left wing back and pushing Shaw into centre back in a, in a back five, to me, made absolutely no sense. You know, we had centre backs on the bench who could have come in and played that centre back role probably a lot better than Luke Shaw did. So why are we are we playing both Darlow and Shaw out of position when we could have just moved, kept Shaw at left wing back in his natural role and brought in an actual centre back to play in the centre of defence? You know, it, it made absolutely no sense to me to play two players out of position when we very easily could have had a back five where no one was playing out of position. I get that our centre back options aren't the best, you know. I get that the thought of maybe playing Phil Jones or Marcus Rojo as as one of our three centre backs isn't isn't really something that we want we want to see, right? I understand that, but at the end of the day, Luke Shaw is not a centre back. He we saw the disaster that happened when Ashley Young played at centre back against Wolves the week before. Playing a full playing as a centre back compared to playing as a full back, even if it's in a back three, are very very different things. And just because someone is a pretty good defender as a fullback doesn't mean they're automatically going to be the same as a centre-back. And Luke Shaw, he, he wasn't the worst player on the pitch, but there was just no need for him to be there when we had centre-backs on the bench who could easily have come in and played that role better than Shaw did. You know, Darlow didn't really do too much wrong at left wing-back, but again, it just looked unnatural there the whole time. Whenever he got the ball, wasn't comfortable on his left foot completely understandably having Shaw there who going forward would have offered us a lot more than Darlow would playing on the wrong side you know that would have made so much more sense for us going forward and if if Solskjaer was so hell-bent on getting Darlow into the team play him at right back instead of Ashley Young you know I I said last week that I thought Ashley Young should have started and to be fair I will say to you guys now I'll happily admit that I was wrong about that because Ashley Young was absolutely terrible in that game his experience did not count for, for anything really other than trying to take 10 years any time he got on the ball before he put in a cross. But if we were so hell-bent on playing Darlow, then why not play him at right wing, wing back or keep it as a back four and play Darlow as a right winger, which I said was potentially an option last week. The, the system just made absolutely no sense to me. So I don't really know, I understand what was going on in, in Solskjaer's head. I don't understand the thinking behind it. There just didn't really seem to be any benefit to playing those players in those positions. As I said, personally, I wouldn't have gone with the back five, but I understand why we went with the back five. You know, we were trying to stop Bars to keep everything in front of us. And all right, after the goal went in, it, it largely worked. Although we were a lot more aggressive in our defending, it largely did work having a back five. But why play a back five with two out of your five players out of position? It makes absolutely zero sense in my head. I'm assuming a lot of people also realize, also noticed this. I, I'm assuming it wasn't just myself, but as I was watching that first 15 or 20 minutes unfold, I just couldn't help but think, you know, what are we doing here? And it looked like, I tweeted this during the game, it looked like it could get ugly after that first goal went in. Now, one of the main problems that I saw when we were playing the back five is we just weren't aggressive enough defensively. Yes, okay, we were stopping Barcelona from being able to play over the top because we were so deep, but we were giving them so much time and control in midfield. You know, the problem was... Messi, Suarez and Coutinho were all dropping so deep to, to pick up the ball and none of our centre-backs for the first 15 or 20 minutes were willing to stay with them as they dropped deep. And so we ended up with a, a defence that was far too deep and two of our centre-backs most of the time not actually marking anyone. Then we have o being overloaded in midfield where Pogba, Fred and McTominay just can't deal with all of the bodies around them. 
So Barca had so much control in midfield with Busquets, Arthur and Rakitic. Jordi Alba um, coming in down the left as well to put pressure on Ashley Young. So if Coutinho did drift out wide, then then Young had a had an overload on him with Jordi Alba coming down that side as well. You know, and the the thing that really bugged me the most about it was after three or four minutes. You know, I I am not a master tactician by any means. You know, I sit here, I do a podcast, but I don't claim to be any kind of expert about tactics or systems or anything like that. But after three or four minutes, it was very, very clear to me what the problem was with the system that we were playing. And if it's clear to me watching on the on the TV, you know, it should have been abundantly clear to Solskjaer, Carrick, Kieran McKenna on the bench, Mike Phelan. You know, it should have been so, so clear to them straight away what was happening. And I understand that they might not want to make a change that early on in the game. But we have seen that Solskjaer is very willing to be proactive on tactics during the game, even as early as the first half. And if you're ever going to make a change like that against Barcelona, that is the team you want to do it against. Because if if you have a weakness in your side, they're going to exploit it. They're going to find it. And it's exactly what they did. It's exactly what the goal came from. Busquets had far too much time in midfield. The defence was way too deep and they still managed to go over the top and get in behind. Ashley Young playing Messi onside because he was about three yards deeper than any other any of our other defenders. You know, it... It it just it bugged me so much because it was so clear to me what was happening straight away, and yet nothing was changed for far too long. After the goal went in, the centre backs became a lot more aggressive, were a lot more willing to step out with with whoever, whether it was Messi or Suarez or Coutinho, dropping deep, and we did manage to clog up that space in midfield a lot more. The other thing that we did really really well in the second half was we started pressing a lot higher. Uh, the other thing that we started doing really well in the second half is that we started pressing a lot higher up the pitch, especially from goal kicks. There was very few times in the second half where Barca were able to get the ball down from Testegen and play out from the back. You know, we were keeping Lukaku, Rashford, Pogba, McTominay pushed very, very high up the pitch to stop Barca from playing out. And it worked because if they go long, you're forcing the likes of Suarez or Messi to be up against, you know, Smalling or Lindelof in the air. And nine times out of ten, we're going to win that. We're going to win that header and win the ball back. And that was exactly what kind of started our period of like ten or fifteen minute, minutes of dominance at the start of the second half. And that was great. And I don't know why that wasn't our plan from the start of the game. The the thing that is worrying, uh, even about the the good parts of, of the Barcelona game, and this is kind of will take me into the the uh, the West Ham game as well. The thing that is worrying is where have our chances gone? We are just not creating chances at the moment at all. I can't remember in the Barca game, we didn't really have any clear-cut chances. We had a couple of free kicks that you would say were, you know, in decent positions. None of them ended up coming to anything. But from open play, I, I can't remember Testegen ha- having to make a save. You know, and it's been like that for the last three to four weeks, pretty much since the PSG game, the second leg. You know, you think of the games against Arsenal, Watford, Wolves, today against West Ham, Barcelona. We just aren't creating chances anywhere near the way that we, we used to under Solskjaer. I mainly we, the the Wolves game is probably the only game where we actually did create a decent amount of chances and we and we couldn't finish them in the first half, but in the second half when we were trying to get back into the game we just couldn't create anything and it's been like that for the last three or four weeks I I don't know what honestly what's going on we look so lethargic I don't know if it actually is because of tiredness that our players slowed down so much if maybe the the players are, are kind of resting on their laurels now that Solskjaer has has been appointed you know this was a worry that some people had that they would kind of stop having so much motivation if, if Solskjaer was given the job too early. Listen, I, I am not worried about Solskjaer. Um, you know, it's, it's still, if you take his record from his his tenure as United manager so far, it's still a very, very good record. And three or four games doesn't change that, in my opinion, even though we have had some very bad losses and some very bad performances. Having said that, though, 
This was the exact worry that I had about appointing him this early. I still don't think there was a need to appoint him in March when there's still so much of the season left. And as I said in that episode when I talked about Solskjaer being appointed, if this form continues until the end of the season, what then? You know, already this sort of negative feeling is starting to come back to the club where everyone now is is very, very worried about how the team is performing. We aren't creating chances like we used to. Our defensively, we have gone back to how we were at the start of the season under Mourinho. We look all over the place. And suddenly it's all kind of wondering, well, what's going to happen now? We've just given Solskjaer a three-year contract and all of a sudden the wheels look like they're falling off. Now, it feels weird me sitting here and being so negative coming off what was a not terrible performance against Barcelona for the most part and three points just a few hours ago against West Ham. But the performances just haven't been good enough. You know, that's all That's all I can really say about them. They have not been good enough. Today against West Ham, which I'll talk about just for a few minutes, today against West Ham, quite frankly, was a shambles for a lot of the game. Defensively, we were absolutely awful. Every single time West Ham came forward, it looked like they could be scoring, especially in the second half when I understand that we were trying to chase the game a little bit more. But every single time West Ham had an attack, it looked like it was going to be a very, very dangerous attack that they had a chance from. Even right up until we scored the second goal, when in sort of the two or three minutes before um, that we were awarded the second penalty, Mikel Antonio smashes a, a shot against the crossbar. Then David De Gea has to make a great save from an Antonio header as well. We looked like we were on the ropes for a while there. You know, I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm so happy that we ended up coming through, winning the game, getting the three points. At the end of the day... That is the most important thing, especially at this stage in the season. Three points is what matters to us and it it keeps us in the hunt for top four. But if we keep playing like that until the end of the season, we won't be able to keep scraping three points every week and we're not going to get top four. We have to figure out what is going on. We just look so sluggish in possession. It's almost like going back to the Mourinho days. Every single time the ball goes into the midfield, there is a massive lack of movement up front. The form of Lukaku and Rashford is a massive, massive worry. Martial, to, to some extent as well, although I, he was a little bit better today uh, than, than Lukaku and, and Rashford when he came on. But the form of our forwards has to be a big worry at the moment. Ever since sort of the last month, none of them are firing on all cylinders at all. They all look very low on confidence all of a sudden, which has, has kind of come out of nowhere. And... As I said, I, I'm trying not to be too negative here because ultimately we're still in the tie against Barcelona. We're still in the hunt for top four. You know, we did pick up three points today, but I am worried. I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to say it to you guys now. I am desperately, desperately worried about what the, the rest of the season might hold. Because if we keep performing like this every week, we aren't going to get top four. We aren't going to be able to keep picking up wins. And there is a scenario where by the end of the season, we're knocked out of the Champions League against Barcelona and we're finishing sixth. Look at staring down the barrel of a Europa League campaign next year, coming off a season that, for all intents and purposes, has been a complete disaster. Now, that is pretty much it for my sort of mini rant on our performances recently. I'm not going to keep banging on about it because I feel like I'm just repeating myself, but I guess the essence of what I'm saying is I am worried and we need to fix up. But moving, looking ahead, obviously on Tuesday we have the return leg of the, the quarterfinal against Barcelona at the new Camp. Despite despite my negativity around our performance for the start of the first leg, I am still massively, massively, massively excited for the second leg. Although it wasn't the result that we wanted, you know, Barca getting an away goal and us not being able to score ourselves. A 1-0 defeat is not the end of the world. We are firmly still in this tie, 100%. And if we can score at the new Camp, then, you know, anything can happen after that. Barcelona did not look great against against us in the first leg. And 
Partly that makes that makes the fact that we didn't get anything out of the game even more annoying because it feels like a missed opportunity. You know, to be perfectly honest, that was a distinctly average performance by Barcelona. And most likely we won't see such a poor performance from them again in the second leg. I would like to see us be a little little bit more bold with our tactics in the second leg. I don't think there is any use in playing five at the back against Barca because the point of the pitch where you really need the most control is in central midfield. You know, with the three midfielders in there in Busquets, Rakitic and Arthur or whoever it may end up being in the second leg, plus usually at least one of the front three dropping into midfield as well. That is where Barcelona create the overloads. That is where they have numbers. And that is generally where all of their chances kind of come from. It's from intricate, quick playing in midfield and then and then sort of hitting you uh, in, in behind. So what I would like to see is us go back to a four at the back Maybe play three man, three men in midfield, sort of a four-five-one formation, trying to stop Semedo and Jordi Alba at fullback as well, because that was a big problem we were having. The fullbacks were, were getting overloaded when Messi and Coutinho did stay out wide. The fullbacks were overlapping, and it, and it meant that with only one one wide player on either side of the pitch in the wingbacks, they they just couldn't couldn't really handle it. One of the centre mids would then have to come over, and that would just leave Barca even more space in central midfield that they could use to to, to dominate and dictate the game. So I would like to see us move to sort of a 4-3-3-4-5-1 sort of system with potentially Darlow at right wing, at right back. You know, Ashley Young after that performance, like I said to you guys earlier, I will hold my hands up and say I was 100% wrong about Ashley Young starting. His experience counted for pretty much nothing all game. He was without a doubt the worst performer on the pitch. Darlow didn't do too much wrong at, at left wing back and he definitely, definitely deserved to start at right back. I think in midfield, you know, the the big plus from the first leg was Scott McTominay. I really can't stress that enough. He put in a, a wonderful performance and definitely should be starting again. Fred has, has shown signs of improvement in the last few weeks. And so I definitely think we should have a, a three-man midfield of McTominay, Fred and Pogba. Matic, I, I honestly don't see him having a major role in this team going forward with the way that things are shaking out at the moment. Fred improving, McTominay in the best form that he's ever shown in, in a United shirt. And Andreas Pereira being more in the mix now as well. You know, Nemanja Matic's recent performances don't warrant him being in consideration for the team, especially with Ander Herrera still to come back in as well. So I would definitely go with a three-man midfield of, of McTominay, Fred and Pogba. For the front three, I think we need a little bit more dynamism. I was very disappointed that Jesse Lingard didn't start against Barca. Lingard is, is a big game player. There's no other way to put it. He is a big game player and I see him being able to fulfil a similar sort of role to what Jason Park used to do for United under Ferguson, where he's almost in there more for his energy than what he can produce on the ball. Lingard's movement, the way he works off the ball, helps us so, so much in big games. You know, when we aren't kind of controlling the game, he manages to stretch the pitch, he, he stretches the defence. And we saw that when, when we run in, in behind Barcelona, they're vulnerable. You know, Gerard Piquet put in a, a brilliant performance uh, back at Old Trafford, you know, against his former club. But uh, Longley next next to him looks very very vulnerable, and it, and did for the vast majority of the game. You know, as I said already, Jordi Alba and Semedo are, are bombing forward so much they leave a lot of space in behind them. Busquets is not the most mobile, and should mention should have been sent off about three times over in the first leg. Frankly, ridiculous refereeing decisions not to not to send Busquets off. He should have been yellow carded after about two minutes, and ended up making about three more yellow card worthy fouls, and then. Jesse Lingard gets yellow carded for almost nothing in the second half after he came on. But regardless of that, you know, Busquets is not the most mobile, hence why he has to commit a lot of fouls sometimes. So there, there are definitely ways that we can get after Barcelona. You know, it's not all doom and gloom, but we have to be a little bit more bold in our tactics. Hopefully not play two-fifths of our defence out of position like we did in the first leg. 
And you know, I'm not I'm not saying I'm confident going into the second leg, but there are definitely reasons for us to be optimistic, cautiously optimistic. You know, Barcelona are beatable. They proved that, we proved that, we got after them, we caused them problems. And if if we go in there and we be bold, you know, who knows what can happen? We saw that against PSG. And I genuinely do think we can cause Barcelona a lot of problems. As I said, don't don't get me wrong, I'm not going into this game confident that we're going to win. You know, we are firmly underdogs and rightly so. But there is reason for us to be cautiously optimistic. I, I really do believe that we have the players, we have the potential to cause them problems. But it's going to take the coaching staff being bold enough to come out and play a lot more attacking formation. You know, we, we may have to accept that we're going to concede some chances. You know, maybe not early on in the game, we shouldn't be going gung-ho, but kind of in a similar vein to what we did against PSG, where we try and stay in the game as long as we can. And if we're in the game with 15, 20 minutes to go, if it's nil-nil, anything can happen at that, at that point in the game. And we should 100% be going to try and win this game without, without a shadow of a doubt in my mind. Now, as I said, it unfortunately will be a slightly shorter episode today. I apologise for being so unprepared and not thinking ahead about when I could record this episode. I will be back probably after next weekend's Premier League game to review the Barcelona game and hopefully be talking to you when Manchester United are Champions League semi-finalists. But that is all from me today. If you want to hear more from me on Twitter, you can follow me at UTDTate, T-A-I-T. If you want to follow usual co-host Harry, you can follow him at HarryRobinson64. And you can follow the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. As always, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It does help a lot. And with that, let's all look forward to Tuesday and hope that we can have another famous, famous night in the new Camp 20 years on from the night we won the treble. Goodbye. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.